from San Francisco's Bay Area. Welcome to Conversations of the Quantum Age. I'm Marlene Caldas, bringing you conversations with our foremost writers, innovators, health experts of our time. Our program is devoted to bringing you life-enhancing information on subjects of health, spirituality, science, and their connection to our universe, our metaphysical universe, certainly with a vision toward global harmony. And we want to thank Inner Voice Network, which is a life enhancement company that's dedicated to providing effective services uh, for their sponsorship today. For information on our guests, events, books, or products discussed on our program, or for questions or comments, you can call us anytime at 888-922-7070. That's 888-922-7070. Or visit us on the web to hear all of our programs at innervoicenetwork.com and womensradio.com. I'm very excited to talk to our guest today. Um, He has written an enormous amount of books and is a very thoughtful and brilliant man. Uh, We have been, uh, you know, in the conversation of our world today that we are at a level of stress. We are at an incredible line that we're standing on in terms of will we go forward now into our humanitarian age Uh, My guest today is Matthew Fox, and you may be familiar with his works. He is uh, one of, he says that one of the best kept secrets of our culture is that many men are deeply spiritual and they really deeply care about their spiritual life and that it's a secret, however, and that it is hidden sometimes even from themselves. We're going to be talking about that today and his new book, The Hidden Spirituality of Men, and the Ten Metaphors to Awaken the Sacred Masculine, among other things. So, Matthew Fox, I want to welcome you to the studio today. Thank you, Marlene. Thank you for having me. How exciting. I was thinking about our interview this morning and reflecting back on a a State of the World Forum that I had uh, visited and covered a number of years ago, uh, a forum that uh, Mikhail uh, Gorbachev and Jim Garrison had put together. And in the middle of that conversation, I think it was about 1997, uh, we were talking about Afghanistan. We were talking about the Taliban and how, uh, you know, estranged the women were and how they were meeting in underground caves just to have ice cream because they weren't allowed to have it. And at that time, for as small as that conversation was, at that time, I thought to myself, who will tell the men? Because the the women cannot tell the men. Hmm. You know, who will be the leader or what energy will come forward to assist in unearthing that spirituality and elevation of consciousness? And I'm so glad to be talking to you today, and I'm so glad for this new work that you've done. Well, thank you, and I think that's a very important question you're, you're asking, who will tell the men. Um, one woman who reviewed my book, she said, my, my library is full of book, books on the goddess, but there's not one book in my library about the sacred masculine. So it's, it's not just men who have an investment in this issue. Of course, it's women, too, because, of course, uh, Women have men in their lives as sons and grandsons and husbands and lovers and uncles and parents and uh, co-workers. And, and also, of course, the woman has a, a masculine side to her soul just as the man has a feminine side to his soul. <clears throat> and so if the masculine uh, side of us, of our culture, indeed of our species, has been distorted, as it certainly is in the Taliban, um, then it means we're all carrying toxic uh, energy around with us mm-hmm. and there's a big detox that has to happen I think as we redefine 
what uh, authentic and healthy masculinity is all about. I like that word, detoxification. <laughs> so let me tell you a little about, for your listening audience, Matthew Fox is a scholar in residence at the Academy for the Love of Learning. It's a beautiful title. Hmm. He's the author of 28 books, including Original Blessing, The Reinvention of Work, Creativity, Where the Divine and the Human Meet, and most recently this new book, The Hidden Spirituality of Men. He was a member of the Dominican Order for 34 years. He holds a doctorate in history and theology of spirituality from the Catholic Institute of Paris, and he is currently lecturing and teaching and writing. And for those of you who get uh, our information and e-blasts out there, there is an event coming up on March 7th, which we will talk about later in our broadcast. Um, so, why did you write the book, The Hidden Spirituality of Men? Well, you know, like, like many people, I'm very concerned about the, the way our, um, our direction is going as a species. There's a very renowned scientist whom I quote in the book at Stanford who says that we're the first species in four and a half billion years on the planet that can choose not to go extinct. But, if, he adds, of course, we haven't made that choice yet. So I think that um, the path we're headed on is a path of extinction, and obviously we have to wake our species up. And um, while women have been undergoing a tremendous transformation for the last 40 years in terms of the return of the goddess and and their own empowerment as women and recovering their stories and and the wisdom traditions of the world, men, I think, have been lagging behind. Uh, There is or was a men's movement, but it hasn't reached out broadly enough or deeply enough. How come, do you think? Why is that? Well, I think one reason is that it got very bad. Uh, it got beat up in the, in the press. I think that the media um, uh, uh, kind of uh, ridiculed uh, the men's movement. But also, um, I think that there were some missing elements, the elements that I'm bringing in. It, it was not uh, Robert Bly and, and um, James Hillman at the Earth, whose work I certainly respect, um, nevertheless, they, they're not uh, at home with uh, religious tradition as such. I think that Robert has kind of a wounded Lutheran inside of him, and James Hillman has a wounded Jew inside of him. I don't think they've reconciled that. Now, I've been plenty wounded by the church. I can show you my scars, too. But the fact is that I've devoted my 40 years of my career to recovering what's really valuable in our spiritual traditions of the West and how they relate to the East and to indigenous and so forth. So I think I'm more at home with uh, a broader and potentially deeper um, uh, movement because uh, Robert, of course, is a poet and he approaches it through poetry. But, you know, I read a study a few months ago that says 5% of Americans read poetry and probably 70% of those are women. So while poetry has its place, it's not uh, the way to directly reach very many men. Um, I think the religious and spiritual traditions uh, and the kind of archetypes that I'm offering here, I offer 10 of them, mm-hmm. I think uh, the, this is a way to wake men up, and, and it's a shortcut because an archetype by definition is, uh, is, it gives you a jolt, <laughs> a really big jolt. I understand. So what comes to mind at first is who will tell the women? <laughs> <laughs> this is also a book for women. Definitely, and and I found a lot of women are excited about this book. Because yes, yes, I'm one of them. Good. It makes me recognize. Uh, I had uh, done a few interviews with Dr. Terry Reel. He uh, 
he uh, runs the Relationship Institute in Boston, a brilliant, brilliant psychotherapist who's written many books on relationships. Uh-huh. One of the things that he had talked about quite a deal in his, uh, great, great deal in his books was the demonizing of the feminine. Mm. I noticed that that comes up as a subject in your book as well because spirituality is actually perceived. We're not saying that it is. But it's perceived as a, a feminine mystique, as a feminine principle. Can you talk a little bit about that? <clears throat> yes, um, I think that that well, there's a um, there's a great uh, line actually that I quote in early in the book from Joseph Jostrob, who did a really good book called Sacred Manhood, Sacred Earth: A Vision Quest into the Wilderness of a Man's Heart. And this fellow leads a vision quest for men, and the book is really a collection of the feedback and the experiences these men had on vision quest but here's a summary of what he says many of us were looking to the great mother for salvation but nobody i knew was seeking right relationship with the great father we all seem to be reacting against the terrible father the one who sires reason cut off from love truth hardened in a static form law void of compassion but there's no mention of any positive masculine alternative and yet, you know, it's kind of strange because Jesus was a man and um, Buddha was a man and Lao Tzu was a man and Black Elk was a man and Martin Luther King and Gandhi are men. So clearly men uh, can go to great depths in terms of spiritual practice and, um, and compa- works of compassion. But like you say, there's kind of a mythology out there that, and, and it is it, it is a put-down, too. It's a put-down of women and a put-down of spirituality. So, well, men are, are, are beyond spirituality, you know. And yet, of course, there are a lot of men who are preaching crackpot uh, religion, and uh, Osama bin Laden is one of them, but there are plenty um, in this country, and there's, there's a few in, in Italy as well. And... Um, uh-huh. So the, 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 all of it is related to putting women down. As I say, what the, the Taliban, the Vatican, and Pat Robinson all have in common is a fear of the goddess and a fear of the feminine, and they think it's their job to control the feminine and to control the goddess, whereas a healthy masculine spirit welcomes um, the empowerment of women and the return of the goddess. And um, in this context, then, we can also bring alive and return some of the great um, masculine archetypes, such as the green man that I write about, or Father Sky, and these other archetypes I write about. Well, it's interesting because you know men who were perceived as having a spiritual center are often cast out amongst their peers. Well, that's true, and of course, I deal with the whole issue of homophobia and homosexuality. I mean, it's it's well known among Native Americans that the spiritual directors to their great chiefs were uh, were homosexual and that the homosexual brings a special spiritual depth to a community. So where there is homophobia, there is uh, a superficial spirituality. And so um, uh, heterosexual men and homosexual men need to learn from one another and they do have different journeys. Uh, One of the issues with men, two of the issues with men are aggression and shame. And the truth is that homosexual men, for the most part, have had to face shame far earlier in their life uh, than have heterosexual men. So from that point of view alone, they have a lot to teach heterosexual men. Now, some homosexual uh, youth, of course, fail the test, if you will, that they end up um, uh, becoming addicted or committing suicide or something else because they cannot bear the shame. But those who do work through it, 
become much stronger and and more spiritual. They're freer people than um, than those who do not work through it. Yeah, you did make that point in your book that uh, suicide among men is much higher than suicide among women. Definitely, it, and suicide among uh, gay men is far higher higher than suicide among homosexual men, especially youth. I mean, heterosexual men. Right. Yeah, the youth, it's amazing to me. We had a a young man, a 16-year-old, throw himself off the bridge last year. Mm. And uh, it was absolutely shocking. Where was that? Uh, In San Francisco. Wow. In San Francisco. And, uh, of course, a a very sad event. Yeah, well, this young man who threw himself off a bridge in Portland, I think they've done a movie about it now, Letters to Bobby. It was a, a book written by his mother, and his mother was fundamentalist, and she gave him such a hard time for being gay, saying he was gay, that he committed suicide. I think he was 19 or 18 when he did so. And now they've made a movie of it because it, obviously it changed her life, and she woke up and right. and uh, left her fundamentalist uh, church and has been working with um, uh, the FLAG, the, the movement for parents and friends of lesbians and gays. Right. But aside from that, in our general race of humans we are at a stage in our lives that calls for an opportunity to bring forth the deepest most hidden yearnings within ourselves and to express that spirituality to connect us to that elevation of consciousness we need to create global harmony would you say well absolutely and and it's it's about uh, survival now it really is and so the the lessons of compassion which are so universally taught, whether in Buddhism or, or Taoism or indigenous cultures or, of course, in Judaism, Jesus' teaching, Muhammad, I mean, the, the number one name for God in the Koran used far often than any other name is God, the compassionate one. So the call to compassion is really in our face today. And compassion is not about feeling sorry for people. It is about justice. It is about working out a, a balance between, and it's not just about human beings. It's about our balance with the rest of nature and with the other creatures, all of whom are, are suffering to the extent that, um, that uh, humanity is, is on some kind of um, uh, quest for, for greed and power. Uh, it's always at the expense of some other, some other mm-hmm. uh, kin right. and, and relative uh, on our planet. It's almost like in order for you to have, you have to have not. <laughs> well, that's right, and and take, it's take, about sharing. Yeah, it's always a takeaway there. Yes, thank you for that, the sharing. It all comes down to the sharing. Sharing and caring. And um, now when when you wrote Hidden Spirituality, uh, The Hidden Spirituality of Men, you had a, a number of parts to it. Well, actually, it's two parts. The first part was about the ten archetypes of authentic masculinity in which you talked about Father Sky and the Green Man, and, you know, hunter-gatherers, spiritual warriors. Where did you find, and where did you begin in the deepest part of your most personal satisfaction with the archetype that most closely resembles yourself? <laughs> well, I, I, I laugh because I, <laughs> I, I, I don't really think of them as resembling myself, but, but to me an archetype is... is I mean, to which you, you find that... I'm called to... Well, the green man really calls to me today, I think it calls to anyone who's halfway awake, because a green man is about um, our relationship to the rest of nature. He's pictured usually, it's very ancient, it's a pagan symbol, but Christianity adopted it in the 12th century in Europe, 
he's pictured with boughs growing out of his mouth and his beard is often um, uh, uh, leaves. And uh, he very much represents our deep uh, relationship to the rest of nature, especially the plant world. And of course, in Native American tradition, the plants are the wisest of all the living creatures because they invented photosynthesis. Without plants, there'd be no animals, and there'd be no humans either. So we're so dependent on plants and interdependent. So at this time, this crisis of global warming and the disappearance of forests and, and rainforests and soil and, and air and other species, uh, clearly the green man is a, is a huge archetype to come roaring back. And it's interesting, the last time the green man was, was powerful in the West, the 12th century, was also the last time the goddess was alive and well in the West. So we've had a return of the goddess, and the green man really rides on her, on her coattails. The green man almost represents the, the goddess in, in men, although there are, you can think of green women as well. But clearly that's just one very obvious um, example of an archetype that is shouting at us today. Right, yeah. It's no man on earth or boy either who should not be asking, in what way am I called to be a spiritual warrior defending Mother Earth? Because that is what the green man is all about. They seem to be very connected on that level. I Absolutely. mean, in many ways, our consumer-based societies have, have had us falling asleep at the wheel. Exactly. Being in a comfort zone. Exactly. We really hardly think about the connection of our earth and all all living things. Exactly, and, and I love that phrase, the comfort zone. You know, we, we've set comfort up as some kind of religion or something. There's no uh, spiritual teacher worth his salt who ever said, blessed are the comfortable. Jesus never said it, the Buddha never said it, and we should get out of our couches and, and stand up. And that's what so many men are passive. I know I gave a talk in this book a few months ago, and a man came up after he said, you are right. He said, I'm spending far too many hours watching sports on television. I should get out of my couch and stand up for Mother Earth and for the young people and everything you're talking about. Mm -hmm. That's what we need. You know, our culture wants to make us couch potatoes and make us passive. Well, you and know, that, that's no way to be a man. That leads me to segue into the idea that many people have different styles of learning. You know, some are audio learners, some are visual learners, some are kinesthetic learners. And I'm realizing that, yes, we have evolved to such a degree that the television is the place. And so I look at it, and for being as much of a book lover as I am, mm -hmm. how can we begin, even as spiritual warriors, to bring these ideas and these concepts, as I said in the beginning, who will tell the men? Mm -hmm. Now I'm coming to the place of how will yeah. we tell the men? Yeah. Well, one thing we're doing is I'm doing workshops. Like I'm going to do one in Santa Fe at the Academy for the Love of Learning that you referred to in March. And I, I'm bringing with me a young man, African-American man, who has a master's degree in drama therapy. And so we do this workshop together with men and women uh, about the sacred masculine. So we'll take these archetypes, say the green man, for example. Then he will, I'll talk a little about it, and then he will lead us through these exercises from using uh, uh, where we play where we play out using techniques from theater or, or create little skits around the green man so really absorb it into our psyches and it's playful and it's fun but it's also very deep and then to do it with the father sky archetype or with the blue man archetype or the spiritual warrior archetype any of these ten archetypes so there are ways to play uh, with this and to get it much deeper into our bones into the cells of our body and it's terribly important it's not enough to to sit on the page of a book you know we have to start uh, working this through our bodies and imaginations and then it will get into the body politic into our institutions into our religions 
our, our economics, uh, our art, all of that has to have our rituals. Right, right. And hopefully our sources of entertainment. Absolutely. So that might be, you know, one of the, the best catalysts for people to get a move on. No question about it. Definitely theater and, and movies and uh, what I call edutainment. Yes, exactly. Hmm. Edutainment indeed. And I think that uh, this is not, uh, it's not to be misunderstood. For those of you who are just joining us, I'm talking to Matthew Fox, who is uh, uh, an incredible author and has devoted his life to recovering the mystical tradition of the West and relating it to the East and to the Native traditions, as well as to science and you know, the struggle for social and gender and ecological and racial justice. I remember His Holiness the Dalai Lama saying, there is no peace without social justice. Mm. Um, so you've been, uh, you've been listening to our talk about his new book, The Hidden Spirituality of Men. Uh, one of the things I noticed about the archetypes is that we all have them. Uh, they are not something that we have to get from the external world and, and place into ourselves or absorb That's from right. the outside. It's there to be uncovered. Exactly, to dig deep and be uncovered. I quote Marion Woodman, the um, Canadian psychologist, about archetypes. She says, think of an archetype this way. Then think of an image as giving out 1,000 volts of electricity and every archetype giving out 100,000 volts of electricity. <laughs> I think that's a good image of what an archetype is. An, an archetype really wakes us up in a deep way, 100,000 volts. So I'm offering 10 here, okay. any one of which I think can get men into their deeper self yes, yes. And, and can clean up, detox, what we've been calling uh, masculinity for, for too long, which is, is really more about the reptilian brain than it is about a whole human being. Well, it brings, in, it brings into focus <coughs> the image of the yin-yang symbol. Yes, well, um, as you pointed out, the first part of the book is the ten archetypes, but the last two chapters is on the sacred marriage of the masculine and the feminine. That's and that is exactly what you just mentioned, the balance of the yin-yang and finding that balance in ourselves as individuals, male and female, finding it in our families and our relationships and in our culture and communities. That is what's missing, and um, uh, we have to bring that balance back. And a, a healthy man will be aware of that, that uh, being a healthy man does not mean we're beating up on the feminine. It means that we're balancing the feminine and the masculine. And it also means that the masculine that we welcome within ourselves is powerful, it's energetic, it cares passionately about justice and compassion and about the children. One of, one of the chapters, of course, is on the father archetype, another on the grandfather or elder archetype. Um, all these are enough to wake men up and get us out of our couches. So well, that leads me to asking about your father and your early beginnings in life, because you began with a system of origin, how you were brought up to believe in terms of, you know, how to go about doing and getting and being and having in the world, mm -hmm. and how you took that beginning and evolved into your system of creation. Who was your father in terms of your Well, I was one of, um, I had three brothers and three sisters, so I had kind of a balance there. I was in the middle of seven children, and uh, my father was um, uh, Irish from the... Um, Ghetto Irish ghetto of Chicago. Uh, he used to say how during the Depression, uh, when he was young, there were signs, uh, jobs available, Irish need not apply. And um, uh, but um, he he worked out his anger pretty much through sports, and he was very good at football. Became a football coach. 
University of Wisconsin. And I think that's one way that he kind of uh, saved himself. He got a scholarship to college. No one else in his family went to college uh, through, through his football prowess. And, um, so, and then he became a businessman after he, he, he was a coach. But my mother also was a very strong personality and a strong character. And um, the two of them, I think, uh, were a good match. She was a scorpion. No, he was Scorpio and she was Taurus, so they didn't back down very much <laughs> when they got. Ah, oh, nothing like a little fixation. <laughs> but uh, most, they were healthy, and my mother was healthy. She did not <clears throat> smother her sons by any means. She challenged us to uh, look at life as an adventure and to leave home. <laughs> she couldn't wait for us to leave home. She was not a super mom by any means. She had seven children in ten years, and <clears throat> I think her happiest day was when we all left home. <laughs> was your she could father, get on with her life. Was your father's uh, energy, the, the, the field that you operated in with your father, did it encourage the connecting to the feminine within yourself? <clears throat> well, um, my father didn't show a lot of feminine traits by any means, um, but he was um, amazingly feminist for uh, grow, growing his children in the 1950s because my sister reminded me years ago that um, he brought us all together. We were all in the 1950s, teenagers and all, and said, you know, I'm not making enough money to send you all to college, so what I'll do is this. You boys all have to go out and find scholarships because scholarships are easy to find for boys and girls, and I'll put the girls through college, but not that you boys. So, um, mm. so I had the I became a Dominican, so the church paid for my education. <laughs> One of my brothers went to West Point, so the military paid for his education, and my two other brothers got uh, football scholarships, and one got a football scholarship, one got a math scholarship. Very incredible. That's so that was pretty unusual for a man in the 50s. That, that is. That kind of consciousness. Distinguishes him. It does, and it came from my mother, I can assure you. <laughs> she, <laughs> she was a good teacher of him, I think. Yeah, yeah she didn't. She was a liberated woman long before. Well, it certainly does time. to balance. It speaks to the balance that you have within yourself. Well, yeah, the thing is, though, I had polio when I was 12, and um, in that context of losing my legs for a while, they couldn't tell me if I'd ever walk again. That is when my, I think my spiritual vocation came to me because one thing I met this um, Dominican brother who was very unlike my father. He was very contemplative, very quiet, and he ended up being a Trappist monk. And he uh, would visit me often, and it showed me another way of being a man. And it drew me into the, the arena of the contemplative and inactive. And, and so I, when I look back on it, I believe that was the origin of my, my vocation. In a way, I left my father because I, I couldn't count on my legs making me a football player yeah. as my older brothers had been. And um, I kind of saw a different version of masculinity uh, as, a, as a teenager as a result. Mm -hmm. Actually, I did get my legs back. I did play sports, but I think with less... Um, Attachment. But certainly called <laughs> spiritual reserves that were already within you and that were able to emerge. It acted as a catalyst, would you say? Well, that's true. And I also faced death. Uh, my a friend of mine had died of polio the year before. Uh, and um, death isn't that big a deal when you're a young person, to be honest. No, it's it, almost like an OL. Exactly. <laughs> but but uh, it, it, it did affect my, my look on the world. And I remember when I got my legs back, I said, to myself, uh, I'm not going to take my legs for granted. And I think that that's really a very mystical statement, not to take 
what seems to be ordinary for granted. For example, every breath. This is why so much meditation is mm-hmm. about paying attention to your breath. Let's not take our breath for granted. Let's not take our health for granted. Let's not take our planet for granted. You know, let's not take the time we have on Earth for granted. Let's do something uh, beautiful with it and uh, and pass it on healthy and beautiful to other generations. Seize the day. Seize the day. There you go. Indeed. Indeed. Well, you know, it appears that Matthew Fox is charged with a purpose to find a way to sit on the very fine edge between the material world and the spiritual world and enjoy the best of both of them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's, it's, not, it, it's not imperative that one sacrifice one's love, spirituality, and integrity for success in the material world. I think we can have both. And in the marriage of masculine and feminine lives the whole of the universe and the gifts that put this earth energetically right on its axis. So within that energetic balance lives the striving, of course, and the tension, but also the sweet release of peace and harmony and equilibrium that human life on earth requires for all that lives on this earth to survive and to thrive. And uh, I have really enjoyed this work. I I have to say it's a, a delicious work. Um, just the uh, amount of research, the archetypes, the sacred marriage components, I couldn't recommend it more. I think it's a book everyone should have on their shelf, uh, of course, after having read it. <laughs> and <laughs> Thank you, Marlene. I'm happy to say it's coming out in paperback in a, in a week. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. And we're going to have this, you alluded to this, um, there'll be a book signing and a, and a little talk I'll be giving Saturday at Barnes & Noble at Jack London Square. I think, is it noon, I think? Um, Okay, Jack London Square, March mm-hmm. 7th, Barnes & Noble. That's and right. you have a, a website for people to get more information. Yes, MatthewFox.org. That's two T's in Matthew. That's Just MatthewFox.org. Easy enough to remember. And, of course, anyone out there who wants to make a comment or add anything can always call us at 888-922-7070 or contact us through innervoicenetwork.com. I remember a prayer that I had written Uh, way back in the early 80s um, that really spoke to something that this book touched in me. Mm. And it goes simply, I want a holy man in my life, one who can find his own peace, a walking temple in a body of light, a man of wisdom and practiced innocence. I want for all the hunger in the world, momentary spiritual satiations, sweet, gentle reminders that keep the surface livelihoods from eating us to pieces. And this outer shell that keeps us distant from ourselves, I aim to penetrate that falsehood. We come to life so hopeful, our hands open. And if unlucky, little else, but if blessed, much more, of course. It's the yearning of my open heart that is the trigger to going farther and more and better and higher and, oh, the timeliness of such desire, that I want the holy man. Mm, I'd like to say thank you. Well, thank you, Marlene. I like that poem, and you're connecting it to my my study. Yes. uh, It makes a lot of sense. The answer to a prayer. (laughs) You were way ahead of me there. There you go. (laughs) You wrote that in the 80s. (laughs) And that question that I had in the later 90s, Mm. who will tell the men. There you go. And how wonderful it is to have this work from you. So I thank you for your time today. I look forward to more opportunity to share your work. Thank you, and thank you for the work you're doing in making this available to men and women alike through your radio program. You are very well. It's important that the media get on board with movements like this. Let's do it. Okay. Fox, for Conversations of the Quantum Age, 
I'm Marlene Caldas.